Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Let's go into the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, again, verses 22 through 24 of Acts chapter 20. Uh, and it reads, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Hallelujah. And verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1, he said to them, It's not for you to know times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to I wanna use for a thought this morning, completing the task, it's not optional. It's not optional. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to me. Use me. Empower me. Anoint me so that I can speak effectively and communicate your word and your message effectively to your people this morning. Be glorified, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not optional. Completing the task, it's not optional. So when we when we hear this theme for this year, completing the task, and we read the scripture, we know that, that this command or that this theme is tied to the command that our Lord Jesus gave. Uh, in the book of Matthew, he says, go into all of the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And then in Acts uh, chapter 1, Jesus tells his disciples that they will be witnesses. They were to be witnesses unto him, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the ends of the earth. So when we talk about completing the task, it is tied directly to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we hear that and that we know that Jesus' disciples in every age, in every generation, are assigned the task of proclaiming the gospel of his grace, and that is not optional. It's not optional. <clears throat> Paul talks about the gospel of God's grace, and that's what we proclaim. But let's just talk about this, amen, because uh, when you study uh, the teachings and the writings of Paul and understand the scripture, one of the things that's pointed out is in the book of Ephesians that, that, that we are saved um, by faith, of course, by the 
it's by grace that you're saved through faith. So we're saved by the grace of God. It comes to us through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about grace, the gospel of God's grace, we're dealing with God's favor and God's mercy that has been shown to humankind, which includes us, that we don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. We receive it through faith, okay? It's not by works of righteousness. It's not by anything that we could do or could have done or our parents could have done. It's not by any uh, pedigree. It's not by money. It's not by any of those things. Amen. God has extended his grace and his favor toward humanity through Christ Jesus, providing the way for us to come to him and that we might be saved. It's solely by the grace of God, John, uh, that he's shown this to us through his love. John 3.16 says, and we know this scripture, most of us who grew up in the body of Christ, grew up in the church, we learn this as children. For God so loved the world <clears throat> that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish or would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Amen. We that 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 talks about God's God's love that He's shown toward us. He did for us what was impossible for us to do for ourselves, which was to save us, to provide the atoning sacrifice for our sins. To yes, 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 and it's through that we're saved. But salvation comes not not only. Through accepting Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure I'm saying, saying this correctly, uh, it's re through receiving that atoning grace, uh, the atoning, atoning work of Christ on Calvary, we are saved, all right? Um, but it's only, yeah, I knew I missed something. I was putting not in there. It's only, it's only through personally, it's only through personally accepting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. This is not a blanket salvation. Some people teach that everybody's saved because Jesus died on the cross. No, it's not a blanket salvation. It's very clear. It's very clear that, that, that we must accept through faith the Lord's sacrifice, uh, for for our sins, that we accept him in that sacrifice. We trust in the saving work of Christ on Calvary, and that trusting leads us to, to a life of being committed to the Lord and doing his work. Amen. Uh, the gospel of God's grace, uh, which is what I've just explained to you, this is the gospel of God's grace, the good news of God's grace toward humanity. This is what God has extended to us. And this is what we must proclaim. This is the fullness of the command, and you shall be witnesses unto me, uh, to me, to my person, Jesus is saying, my substitutionary work, all right, um, yes, Yes, on the cross, my divinity, you must be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
All right, so that did not only include the then known world, but it includes the entire world until Jesus comes again. That's how we here in the Americas, uh, through, through the preaching of the gospel, are saved today, because this gospel had to spread throughout the ends of the world. Now, that says something that we will come back to in just a few moments. But the fact is, saints, we don't have any excuse. We don't. It's time for us to engage in completing the task of testifying to the good news or to the gospel of God's grace. Deal with your love for yourself and the inordinate attention given in today's world and the misguided attention given by the church in some cases to self and doing me, doing you, doing what you want to do. It's all about you. No, it is not all about you. It is not all about you. When the church pushes that agenda, that is misguided. We expect it from the world because the world is only concerned about what Satan leads them, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, what Satan leads them to do, which is not going to focus on God, it's going to focus on self, which separates you from God and, and, and opens you up to the influence of the evil one. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have to deal with this. And then we have to remember the principle that Jesus set forth in the gospel. I believe it's Matthew 6 and 33 that says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That principle has not changed. I was thinking about that uh, this morning. And, you know, just wondering how is it or why do we get off base? I'm talking about the church now. I'm not talking about the world. And I remembered, I was reminded of a parable that Jesus told about the, the, uh, uh, the master of the house who went into a far country and delayed his coming. All right. And then the ones he left in charge just began to be disobedient and do their own thing. In essence, uh, you can go back and read the scripture, uh, and he delayed his coming, but he did come. And so I was thinking about that, and maybe I'll deal with this in a message sometime this year. But it seems like some of us are saying, now, now the Bible isn't fulfilling. Jesus has not come back. And so we got to do something to keep the people engaged. We got to do something to keep the people coming. And, and so we've, we've gotten misguided, and we've started this inordinate attention or misguided attention on the self and taking care of self and doing you and being being glamorous and being stars in the body of Christ. And the attention has gotten off of Christ and the mission. We've got to go back to the mission. If we engage in the mission, it will keep us busy. Because many of us are not engaged in the mission, we're not busy. We're not busy in the things of God. Our hearts are not sold out to the things of God. And so what we find ourselves doing is trying to come up with ideas and, and, and gimmicks and schemes. And even they may not be gimmicks and schemes, but just things that we can think about in and of ourselves to keep the people engaged. And keeping the people engaged keeps them coming. And we do want you to come, but it keeps the money coming. And we do need the tithes and offerings to support the work of ministry. 
ministry. But that should never be our focus. Our focus has to be to keep you coming, to train you, to build you up so that we can go into all of the world and make disciples of every nation or in every nation. Some way, somehow, believers have to catch the fact that this mission is not optional. We must fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given to us. Some way, somehow, we've got to get to that point. And then we got to understand that salvation is more than just simply giving your life to Jesus and accepting his sacrifice for your sins. It's also a part of this, a part of this is about the ministry of Jesus Christ and the responsibility <clears throat> to fulfill that ministry through your life. Amen. Just like I and other ministers of the gospel and other elders and pastors and teachers and, 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 and people in professions who are born again, who see their professions as ministry and they're, they're living their lives out for Christ and through their work and through their words and through their ministry, they are proclaiming the gospel of God's grace. Every believer has to see that. It's not just for a select group of people. It is not optional to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. All right? This is from God. This is what God has done. If anyone is in Christ, then skip down to the last point. He has committed to you he has, he has given you the ministry of reconciliation, and he's committed to you the message of reconciliation. <laughs> this is the same commitment, or was the same commitment that Paul had, or this was his commitment. You read it in this text when he talks about the fact that he considers his life nothing to him, all right, except that he, that he would finish the race and that he would complete the task the Lord Jesus had given him. This is what he says in Corinthians. He's given it to me. He's given it to you. He's given it to us. He's given it to the body of Christ. And everything we do has to, has to be centered and focused in on this ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. We've got to be about the business, and this is not optional, of reconciling men and women, boys and girls, wherever we encounter them, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God sent Jesus into the world, to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is the ministry that he's given to you and me. It's not optional. I'm not preaching to other preachers this morning. I'm preaching to the body of Christ. I'm preaching to whoever will listen. I'm not just preaching to other preachers. So it is not optional for us. And we've got to come back to this test. All right. So, so, and I think this was pointed out in the messages that were preached this week in every message. Some way, somehow, this was pointed out. 
This was pointed out to us. So what are some other things? What are some things that we can learn that's going to help us embrace the responsibility of completing the task that the Lord has given to us, a task which is not optional? Because remember, Jesus stated in John 15, a tree that does not bear fruit is not good for anything but to be cut down and cast into the fire. Amen. That's the only thing you're good for if you're not bearing fruit. Bearing fruit for the kingdom is bringing other souls into the kingdom. I do not say that from any type of position of pride or special privilege or anything. If I was not bearing fruit, the same thing would be applied to me. We've got to bear fruit for the kingdom. So this is why this message is so critical. There are people that need Christ. There are people who are hurting, who are lost, who are misguided. And they're trying everything they can try to try to find peace and try to find hope and try to find direction in life. We, we have the message of reconciliation. We know the hope. We have the hope. We have to, we have to communicate this message through our lives, through our lips, through our words, through our ministry to those who know, don't know Christ. So let's talk about this, about this. Three things that the Lord shared with me that I want to share with you, and I'll be finished in just a few minutes. All right. The first thing is you must understand the mission. None of what I'll, I'll say to you is new. All right. Saul said this. Paul said, uh, Solomon, excuse me, said there is nothing new under the sun. So you've heard this before. You're going to hear it again. And if you stay in the Lord, you're going to hear it over and over and over again. All right. So you've got to understand the mission. You've got to understand the mission. The mission is simple. Complete the task or fulfill the task. Some, some translation says fulfill the ministry that was given to me. Well, that's the task. The, the ministry of testifying to the gospel of the good news of God's grace. Simple, simple, simple. Testifying to the good news of God's grace. To testify, to testify. The meaning of that, of that word in that text is, as it basically means anywhere else, give evidence as a witness in a court of law. All right. So, of course, we know if you've ever been a witness for a trial, you're going to the court, uh, you swear that you're going to tell the, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. All right. So what we, what we, what we want to do, uh, what we are assigned to do is to give evidence as a witness of God's grace in our lives. OK, so that speaks to something. If, if the mission is simple, if the mission is completing or testifying to the gospel of God's grace and it's given to you, you must ask yourself the question, how have I witnessed God's grace in my life? All right. How have you witnessed God's grace in your life? Answer the question and testify to that. That's what you got to do. So that means that there must be some evidence of God's grace in your life. All right. Now, now I'm not talking about you having some, some dreams and visions and going up into the third heaven. I am talking about 
when you understand the gospel and you understand your salvation, that's the first place when you receive Jesus that you that you witnessed the gospel of his grace because you don't deserve to be saved. You deserve, as I deserve, to be cast into hell's fire and damnation because of our sins. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary, this is why you got to understand this. You just can't say you've given your life to Christ, join the church, and then you don't never, you don't ever understand salvation and the implications in your own life for salvation, what God did for you. And then what he did for you at the initial point opens up the way for other experiences of his grace along the way in your life. But the point is that you must understand that you got to answer the question, how have you witnessed God's grace and then testify to it? You may not have had the experiences Paul had. You may not have had the experiences that I had. Or you may not have had the experience of some other significant person in your life. Maybe your mother, maybe your good friend. You hear people testifying all the time about what God did for them, and you've not had that experience. You can't testify to those experiences. Now, when it comes to the gospel, we can talk about Paul's experiences. All right, but but I can't testify from a personal perspective of what Paul experienced, except I have faith in the gospel and it's written in the record. Do you understand what I'm what I'm saying? I can testify to my own personal experiences. I can testify to the time that I received Christ as my Savior and my Lord at ten years of age. I can testify to my are receiving the right of water baptism. I can testify to the fact of the Lord using me early on in ministry when I didn't understand a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and how God used me to speak a word in the church that came to pass. I can testify to experiencing the Lord coming into my dorm room in college and ministering to me and speaking to me. I can testify to uh, my calling to minister. So many things of God's grace I can personally testify to. When it comes to preaching the gospel, I believe what's written in the word Then I can preach to what about Paul's experiences on the road to Damascus when he met the Lord. All right. But for personal from a personal perspective, I wasn't there when Paul met Jesus. I believe the record because the record is correct. The record has been proven to be true. Prophecy has been fulfilled and is written for our edification uh, and, 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 and our warnings. Okay. So then, and I can testify to the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. All right, because I believe the gospel, but I, I have also received Christ as my Savior and my Lord. And over the course of the years, he has revealed himself to me in so many ways. Okay. So then what we're saying is, and what the Lord shared with me is that the gospel of his grace has to become personal to you. Paul said, Paul said that he must complete the task the Lord Jesus has given him. It was personal to Paul, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It was very personal. Paul talked several times in the, in the Bible about his experience on the road to Damascus, but prior to them, how he persecuted the church. He talks about that and how that experience of meeting Christ 
on that road to Damascus changed his life and the other experiences that he had along the way. It was personal. It was personal. Once it's personal to you, then you can testify to that, to that gospel of his grace, to someone else who needs to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Has to be personal. Understanding the mission, it becomes personal. And the longer I live, the more I understand. The more I see scripture coming together, the more I understand, line upon line, precept upon precept. I see pieces of the puzzle being put together. Uh, the more I live, the more I study. I see the whole coming together and what God was doing. So you may not understand it all in the beginning, but you can testify to what's real to you and make it according to the scripture. All right? In the beginning, you may not know a lot of scripture. All right. But as you grow, you begin to know scripture. There may be some things you may have said earlier on that were, that were not according to scripture. And then when you get in the church and you get mixed up in a whole lot of churches and sometimes unsound doctrine and different different faiths, uh, you be you, you mix things in. So you have to be careful with all of that. But we want to keep this simple. That's lately. All that stuff comes from people who, as they grew, just went around and were like gypsies in the faith. But for you, let's keep this personal and keep it simple. It's our, our responsibility to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And testifying to the gospel of God's grace leads other people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So testifying to the gospel of God's grace must be simple. And it's, yeah. That's what that's the first point. Understand understanding the mission. That's what's been given to each one of us. Okay. Yeah. That's the mission. That's what we've been called to in every generation. Jesus said again, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Hear the Lord speaking to you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Don't just read that and hear him speaking to that uh, group of people, his disciples that were with him uh, on the Mount of Olives before he was trans uh, taken up into heaven. Hear the Lord speaking to you, and you shall be witnesses. You shall be my witness, both in your local area, in your surrounding area, and into the uttermost parts of the world. Which brings us to the second point of our of our message today. Amen. You've got to understand, you've got to understand the scope of the mission. All right. That's critical. Okay. Understanding the mission is foundational. Testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You are a witness of God's grace in your life. You're to testify to that. Testify. It becomes a personal thing. It has to be personal, all right? The, understanding the scope of the mission is the second part. Now, this is important because the Lord doesn't want you stuck as a baby in Christ. The Bible says that we ought to move on to the mature things, okay? All right. uh, we're babes in Christ when we come to the Lord. So understanding the mission is foundational. But the scope of the mission is, is, is also part of this. And this also helps you grow and keeps you keeps you focused. So Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem at home. All right. The disciples. Um, and I didn't look the scripture up. So if I, if I mix the names up, please forgive me. 
Philip found Andrew. I believe if I'm correct in saying this at this point, if not, I'm in the ballpark. His brother, he went and found his own brother first. When he met the Lord, he went back and found his brother, which is an indication to us that when we begin to testify to the gospel of God's grace, we start in our own families. Okay? It's, it's, it's at home. We start in our home area. You are a, if you are a new believer, God is not sending you to Africa first. Okay? Because you, you got to grow up in this thing. I know going on a mission field will be a part of the growth process, but if you get on a mission field and you experience demonic attacks or what have you, or you, 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 you're trying to teach something that you don't know, then you're in trouble and you put other people in trouble. So the Lord starts with you right at home. And that's, that's where the scope starts because at home you begin to grow and develop. You begin, you can test the waters. You, 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 you're witnessing to those around you. You're testifying to the gospel of God's grace around you. And then you have your brothers and sisters who are more mature right there with you to help you in the growth process. Okay, Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. And at this point, he is talking to his disciples because he wanted them to understand the scope of the mission. It was not just for them to stay in Jerusalem. All right. And even though the Jewish disciples stayed in Jerusalem for a long time, persecution came on the church because they were staying too long. And the Lord wanted them to disperse. It was never his intention for this to stay among the Jews. Remember, the Bible says he sent him unto his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to the tree of life. And I may not have quoted that right. To as many as received them, he gave uh, the right to become his sons and his sons and daughters. Okay. Which means he gave the right to be, uh, to be saved. Okay. And then as we study the gospel, we see Jesus's mission switching as he crossed over from the Jews to the Gentiles. And then we study the book of Acts. We see the gospel as it begins to be preached to the Gentiles. So God's mission is not just he not, did not just intend for the disciples to stay at home. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in your own country, in Samaria, and the surrounding territory, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, unto the ends of the earth. And we always remember Jesus's words that he would not return or the end would not come until this gospel had been preached as a witness to every people group on the face of the earth. So now I've just gone through the scope of the mission. It starts at home. That's important. It starts in our home neighborhoods, in our home cities, in our home state. But then it spreads to the surrounding country. So we have a responsibility as we understand the scope of the mission to be engaged in spreading the gospel wherever we go. And for us, it's easy, saints. We have the, we have the benefit of technology. We have Facebook. We can post messages. We can post scripture. We can get on scripture and min on, on Facebook and minister. You don't have to try to be deep. You don't have to get on Facebook and try to prophesy. Just share scripture. Share the word of the Lord. Share personal testimony and invite people to accept Jesus. But we travel. We have families throughout the United States. We are in contact with them. We have means of spreading this gospel to our surrounding state, our surrounding nation. 
but we cannot forget the ends of the earth. When Jesus spoke that to his disciples, you shall be witnesses unto me to the ends of the earth. They did not have what we have. All right. But persecution came on the church and the church was scattered. Believers were scattered. The Roman government began to persecute the church. Christians were persecuted. They were beaten. They were killed. They were thrown to dogs. They were thrown to lions. They were burned at stakes. They were persecuted. And they began to spread out from Jerusalem. And they spread it to the, to the ends of the then known world. And the, that's how the gospel began to be spread. God has given, and the other thing God has done for us today is that he is bringing the world to us. We have to be ready. This is the scope of the mission. It is the scope of the mission that every believer must be engaged in. Some way, somehow, you've got to be connected. You've got to be connected through praying. We, at one point, were praying for nations. We've got to come back to that. Pandemic separated us, and we stopped meeting in the sanctuary. So on Sunday morning, our worship uh, set and changed. But we can't forget the commitment <clears throat> to pray for those nations in the 1040 window. We've got to go back to that. We've got to seed into ministries that are that are, are spreading the gospel to nations in that window where the gospel, where Christianity is not the major faith. Because we want to help get this gospel to those people groups and get scriptures translated for those people groups who don't have access to the gospel. They don't have a preacher. They don't have never had a missionary. There's no internet. There's no television. There's no radio for them to hear any preaching of the gospel. Saints of God, this is the scope of the mission. This is what God is calling to, calling us to in 2022 to, <clears throat> to get us focused in on this mission and beyond on the scope, the full scope. Jesus we believe it's soon to come, and we've got to be ready. We've got to get to work. We've got to hasten the day, amen, by making sure that this gospel is spread to the ends of the earth. Every believer has to be engaged in this. You be engaged through your prayers. You be engaged through the study, and so you know more about it. You be engaged through your giving. Give your finances. More has to be given to missions. Glory to the name of Jesus. God didn't call us to build big buildings and fancy buildings. Amen. He didn't call us to have fancy equipment and the latest equipment. Thank God for the latest technology. That's not our calling. But if we get engaged in our calling, God will supply those needs. Remember Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Glory to the name of Jesus. So he'll add the buildings. He'll add the technology. Amen. He'll add the finances for you to go. Amen. He'll add the equipment. But the focus has to be on the mission. Lastly, 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 you cannot be ashamed of the gospel of the mission. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel of the mission. So then, first of all, you got to understand the mission. Uh, you got to understand the scope of the mission. And you cannot be ashamed of the gospel of the mission. You can't be ashamed of the gospel of the mission. 
of God's grace. Listen, Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So Jesus is coming back, back again. All right, hear that. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul said this, all right? Now, he's already talked to us, and this is this is at a point in his ministry way beyond, of maybe not way beyond, because he wrote the letter to Rome before he ever went to Rome. And he said he, said he has to complete this task. His life doesn't mean anything to him, he says, except that he will finish the race and complete the task given to him, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So then, Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, Romans 1 and 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of God's grace, that's the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentiles. That word ashamed, Paul uses the same word. That word ashamed is important, okay? Jesus said, whoever's ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of him. Me and my words, Jesus said. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of Jesus or his words. The word ashamed means to experience a painful feeling or sense of loss of status because of some particular event or activity. Okay? To, to experience a particular feeling, a particular painful feeling or loss of or sense a loss of status because of some particular event or activity. So if a person is ashamed of the gospel, then because of the gospel and because of Jesus or their association with Jesus, then they are feeling some painful feeling or sense of loss of status because of the gospel of God's grace or because of knowing Jesus Christ and testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now remember, Jesus said this, if anyone will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to put all this together. Okay. Just give me a minute. What's signed up in the concept of denying self is dying to self, dying to self. Once you've died to self, then the trappings of self don't control you. Amen. They don't hinder you from doing what needs to be done to testify to the good news of God's grace. Because once you die to self, you can't lose anything else. You can't lose any more than you've already lost, which is your life for the cause of Christ. You've died to self. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. So he, he, he's already died to self. He taught us to put to death the members of our body that's upon earth. So part of that is putting to death this mind, this mind that's caught up in selfishness and, 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 and ego and pride. Okay. And when he said, then, then when Paul said he does not consider his life as worth anything to him, he was simply saying, he was not, he was not simply saying, uh, it was not simply a way of saying that he was willing to die for the cause of Christ, not simply. It was also a means of saying that the trappings of self, personal fame, personal glory, educational levels, 
pedigree. None of that meant anything to him. Actually, he says it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He says in chapter 3, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. But what did he lost? Let's go back up, okay? Ah, uh, in verse number four, he's talking about people having confidence in the self, focusing on self. And that's the, the misguided attention that the church is giving to people today. He says that though I myself have reason to have such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, speaking of being a great, a good Jew, a, a reputable Jew, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisees, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law. Flawless. Paul says, all of those gains, I don't consider I consider them as dumb in the King James. I consider them as nothing. But he says, I count all of this as loss for me. Okay. I don't feel any sense. I don't feel any sense of loss of status because of accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Sometimes we look at that word shame and we think of people being bashful or whatever. But no, no, it's not simply, it's not that. It's not that. It's people who are feeling like if I accept Jesus, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose. I'm not going to be cool anymore. I'm not going to be a part of the crowd. I'm not going to be one of the girls anymore, one of the boys anymore. If I accept Jesus, I won't be a part of the in crowd. I can't go out and drink with the guys anymore. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. They're going to look at me as being odd. But if I accept Jesus or if I testify to the gospel of grace, of God's grace. I'm going to lose that status with my boys or with my girls. Wow. Jesus said, if you feel that way about me and about my, my word, then when you stand before God, I'm going to feel that way about you. That, that's what it said. Whoever is ashamed, he, he didn't say he was going to feel that way. He said he's going to be that way. So if you're that way about him, he's going to be that way about you. It's not tit for tat. It's just that if you're ashamed of the gospel, then you're really not saved. Or you've not put to death those feelings. I can understand as a newborn baby in the Lord, as you, as you come to Christ, you may not, when it gets to some people, you may, may feel a little, you know, intimidated by them and may not want to share it. But you got to put that to death. You got to kill that. All right? If you are... Uh, Climbing the ladder, and you at a certain level in society, and then the gospel comes to you. You got to kill that feeling of feeling a certain way about who you are now in Christ to those other people who've made it to the top. Jesus needs some saved lawyers and doctors and uh, CEOs of corporations and presidents of countries. There needs to be some saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost presidents of countries, of nations. 
to advance the kingdom, not to declare their nation a Christian nation because persecution is good for the church. It's always been and always will be. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. I got to wrap this up, but you know me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not finished yet. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. So we don't need a Constantine. I know that that, that in our past administration, people were proclaiming our president then as God's gift, God's man for the hour, and they wanted to elevate him. Some people did. Some people were misguided. Some people, some people, I believe, must have not understood dictatorship and where we were heading in this nation and still don't, still don't. And I'm not saying that one party is, is more righteous than the other because my firm um, understanding is that, that there is no Christian party in the United States. I'm just saying we don't need to de just declare this a Christian nation and outlaw and put to death and kill people like they did in the early days of Christianity for people not accepting Christ because God created us as, as free uh, moral agents. You have a right to accept him or reject him. Okay. What I'm saying is God needs some righteous people in political power some true righteous people who will stand up for the truth, who will let justice run down as a mighty stream and righteousness as many waters, as, a, as the scripture says. And I may have quoted that wrong, but go back and read it. Amen. But it says something in that, in that arena. We need that in nations in the world. You can't be ashamed of Christ. And you can't have a, a, a superficial relationship with Christ when you're in those places or even if you're not in those places, around your friends, amen, around the in crowd, around your buddies, around the boys, around the girls. You can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Paul wasn't, Paul said, mm -mm, I don't count my life. I don't count this life as worth anything. As worth anything to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So he wasn't concerned about going to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going bound in the spirit. In every city, the Holy Spirit has testified that what's waiting on me in Jerusalem is imprisonment and afflictions. But he says, I'm going bound in the spirit. I'm going to face this. This is because my present life, my life doesn't mean anything. I'm not valuing this life. Oh, that's what saints, that's what people have to get to the point of. That this present life, your reputation, all right, your career, your making money, those things don't mean anything to you. Remember, go back to the principle. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have money. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have good careers. We should. We're children of God. But that cannot be first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. The Lord is not about making us poor, but he certainly is not about focusing us on us being rich. I want you to understand that. He is not. That's not his intention, to make you a millionaire or billionaire just for the sake of you being made one. If he gives you millions and billions, it's for the kingdom. I was listening this morning uh, to just a broadcast about uh, the, the presidential election in the Philippines and the, 
previous dictator's son is going to run for president. And they will talk about the opulence, the wealth of, of that previous dictator and his wife. The wife had 3,000 pair of shoes. And I began to count, well, there's only 365 days in a year. So she had 3,000 pair of shoes. She could almost wear one pair of shoes, uh, what, three, four, five years? And then wear, I mean, she could change, uh, never wear the same pair of shoes for three, four, five years. Gold bathrooms and all this stuff. That's not about the kingdom. That's not why God will make you rich. Allow you to become rich. What God wants you to do, he wants you to testify to the gospel of his grace. Proclaim this good news. Remember, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of the Lord. How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How shall they call on him whom they've not heard? So anyway, and it goes on to say, how shall they how shall they preach? How shall they proclaim? How shall they testify without? Or how shall they hear without a preacher? I'm, I'm turning to that scripture because one of the things I don't like to do when I preach, and sometimes I do it, is misquote it. But this one, this one, this one, this one is, is, is so. How then shall they call on the one of whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, testifying to them? Paul talked about testifying to the gospel of God's grace, being a witness of God's grace in his own life, in his experiences with the Lord, you, me, everybody else. How can they hear without someone testifying to them? And how can they testify unless they are sent? Well, you say, well, God didn't send me. Oh, that's wrong. Go ye therefore. That's a message to every one of his disciples. When you accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, you accepted the totality of Christ, not just salvation. You accepted his, his mission. This is the mission of the church. It's not optional. It's not optional. This morning, I invite you to join in that mission. If you're not saved, give your life to Jesus. Accept him as Savior and Lord. Pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've never accepted you as my Savior and my Lord. You died on the cross for my sins, for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice that covered my sin, that took away my sin. I accept you. I accept your sacrifice. Save me, Lord. I receive you now. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Simple prayer, but it's by faith. If it's your will, your determination to give your life to Jesus and you prayed that prayer, the Lord has saved you. As many as received them, received him, to them he gave the right to become his sons and his daughters. That's the will of God. 
Now, what we need you to do to make this simple, write to us. Let us know of your decision so that we can follow up with you. That's the starting point. But there's a mission that has to be completed. You got to get to the place where you're not ashamed of the gospel. Write to us. Let us know of your decision. Let us know how to communicate to you or with you so that we can help you follow up. And we can help you in this growth process. The Lord wants you. Now, if you have been, if you're one of those weak in faith, weak knee, feeble hands, and feeble knees and weak hands that Minister Stevens talked about the other night, you ought to be strengthened by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wants to strengthen you. He wants you to submit to the strengthening. We want to help you grow. If you are part of Tabernacle of Praise and you've been on the sidelines, get back involved so that you can be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. You have to do your part. And we'll be here to do, do our part to help strengthen you. But that's not just for those in Tabernacle of Praise. Anybody listening to this broadcast, you have to be strengthened. We want to strengthen you. We want to strengthen you. Let us help you. Write to us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful, the Lord is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Confess your sins. Rededicate your life to the Lord. You can pray this prayer along with me right now. Lord, I've sinned. Lord, I've fallen away from you. I started out in a relationship with you, but I slid away. Please forgive me. I confess my backslidden state. I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me, Lord. Please cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I rededicate my life to you. I thank you for restoring me in faith and to your body. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let us know of your decision. Please, ma'am, please, sir, let's get back involved. Let's engage the task. It's not optional. We need every soldier ready to fight, ready to engage the war. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We pray that you that you will be blessed, that you will have a blessed day. Join us next Sunday morning, morning worship, 9 a.m. Uh, in the tabernacle. Amen. Join us Tuesday night for corporate prayer. Wednesday night, our online Bible study, Facebook Live, 7 o'clock. Thursday night, uh, Bible study at uh, 6.30 via Zoom for young adults. Sunday morning, those of you who are listening, teenagers, uh, 12 o'clock noon today, you have Bible study. Join in. God bless you all. Now may the grace of God, the love of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise 
at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.